is the point of the church, okay? That's a big question we're going to answer in 35 minutes right there. All right, we're going to do that. And to help us get started, does anyone remember when their kids were smaller, they were losing teeth? Remember those days, teeth were flying out. When, you know, when one goes in our house, then four goes all at the same time. So teeth were flying everywhere all over our house. And one of the joys I had as being father to the four was I was teeth puller-outer, okay? And I got a simple pleasure from that. I'm not going to deny it. It was a little bit of dental payback. It was wonderful. And they would come along and I would give, do the business. And, uh, but this time, Lucy had a wobbly tooth and this teeth would not budge. He would twist it and turn it and tweak it and do all the stuff you normally do. Daddy, it's sore. Shush, you know, doesn't matter. And uh, <laughs> all this stuff. But this teeth was not for coming, all right? And uh, so anyway, Mondays, they go off the school start of the week. Lucy with wobbly tooth. And uh, my job on a Monday was to collect them from after school, two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever it was in primary school. Anyway, I'm waiting there and the, you know, the bell goes off, stampede kids come out. You know the drill. And Lucy comes out of the school along with the others. And the band of her school bag was around her head, round here. Remember that? You that come out. And the bag's at her back. And she comes running out. And I go, here we go, brace yourself, deep breath. It's only a few hours to bedtime. You can make it. You know, the usual stuff you steal yourself with young kids. You're going to do it. You can make it. All right. Anyway, and so as she travels towards me out of school, the band go of the bag goes into her mouth like a little horse, like a little sort of kind of bitten bridle thing. And you know there's a wobbly tooth in there. And you know what's about to happen. So in the middle of all this melee, I hear this scream, Daddy! And it wasn't a daddy, I love you, daddy, you know, you're brilliant, daddy, I'm over here. It was daddy, you better, you better come here. And what had happened was the tooth had come out on the strap, right? And so this tooth was all for there to all the scene. She holds up this tooth and it was like Arsenal lifting the FA Cup. It's the only cup we lift at the minute. In fact, it's not, we're not lifting that cup either, really. But anyway, and so she holds this thing, and it was like all of primary school yard just goes into slow motion. Every child with an earshot does this. <gasps> tooth! And they all run around her, and she's like, Tooth, come and see my tooth. And so they're all pouring over this. Ah, tooth, ugh, right? This, I think we've still got all that. Anyway, you know, and so this teeth is there, and they're all around it. And so I'm like, here we go. It's another pound, Right? Bear in mind, I've got four people spitting teeth. I'm broke. And anyway, so there they are. And the next minute, I have this blood-curdling scream. This was different from, Daddy, here's my tooth. This was, ah! And I'm like, oh, no. Something has gone wrong in the crowd. What had happened was a little bit of blood had come out of the wound. But of course, when you're six or seven or five or whatever age teeth come out, you, know, you don't know what's caused that. So this blood is starting to come out. And she'd seen the blood. And she screamed in that moment for me. Well, it's my time to shine. Absolutely is. So I'm running through the crowd, tossing children over my shoulders, out of my way. Lucy needs me. And so I go over and I've got you. And in that, whatever, and I carried her out. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be awesome. Daddy moment, brownie points. There we were. When the blood started to pour, Lucy understood this, that I could give her something that the crowd could not. And so she cried out to me. That is, for me, an illustration of the church, of this church. Because when a person who is overwhelmed by whatever is surrounding them in their world, whether it's a tooth wound or something more serious, when that person, whoever they are, are surrounded by a crowd and they cry out to God, the Father, through the church, steps in to rescue them and lead them out and away from their pain in Jesus' name 
authority and power. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7, 8, and 10, we read this incredible story. Some of you would be familiar with it. These could be verses you're hearing for the first time. But it's about the call of Moses as Moses has been called by God to go into Egypt to rescue the Israelites. And the Bible says this, that the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. Watch this. He says, so I have come down. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now verse 10. And then God says to Moses, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. They are in Egypt. They are surrounded by oppression, limitation, restriction, and slavery. They cry out to God, everyone, and God responds. He goes to them, but God goes to them in the form of Moses. And that's really important for us to see. Because the way God responds to the cries that he hears in the world is to go. But he goes through the church who carries his name, his authority, his mission, and his message. If we flick over three more chapters to Exodus chapter 6, Exodus 3 reveals who God sends, but Exodus 6 shows us how God moves, how he reaches out, how he responds to end the slavery of the children of Egypt. Listen to these words in Exodus 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. The words will be on your screen or they'll be behind me. It'll say this, therefore say to the Israelites, this is God himself. He says, I am the Lord. What a way to start. When we start a letter or an email, we go, dear John or dear Tim or dear Sue, dear whatever. When God writes a letter, he starts it, I am the Lord. Make no mistake who's sending this. And he says, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Watch this. Then he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Then he goes, I will take you to be my people, my own people. Isn't that beautiful? I will take you as my own. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob and I'm going to give it to you as a possession. Then he signs off, I am the Lord. God begins his letters and ends his letters in the same way. I am the Lord. Now watch this. Here's what God does on behalf of his people. Here is his rescue plan. There's five steps to this really quickly. Number one, he rescues from slavery. So we have the intervention of God. I'm concerned, I hear, now go. He has the intervention of God to rescue those he loves. Step two, he releases them from slavery. The Bible tells us he breaks the yoke of the Egyptian. Step three then, we have not just release, but redemption. You've got to break free from Egypt. So I'm going to break not only the power of the slave driver, I'm going to break the power of the country you're in. Then he says, number four, I'm going to remove you. There's the removal from Egypt. I'm going to take you out of there. And then step five, not only will I take you out, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to relocate you to a new land. A land, he says, that's full of promise, full of milk and honey. Not literally, 
But ways to describe the contrast of the straw and the bricks and the slavery from where they've come. And I want to tell you today, Green Pastures Church and everyone that is watching online, this is still how God moves in the lives of those who cry out to him today. Join with me on this. Step one, Jesus rescues us from the life of sin. Step two, he releases then from the burden, from the weight of sin. Isn't this good? He, from the weight of sin, then he redeems us from the power of sin. Power, sin have no more master over your life. Because you died and the life you live, you live to God. Step four, then he removes us from the world of sin. Any believer in here for any length of time is not living in the same world they used to. He takes us out of that world. And then if that's not good enough, he relocates us into rest. We walk with peace. We walk with the Sabbath. We're continually learning how to walk with God in our lives. It is the same steps. And I want to remind you and just to encourage you, 2,000 years ago in a manky manger in a backwater town called Bethlehem, God incarnate stepped into the world to initiate a rescue plan at response of our cries. And when Christ hung on the cross, all of our stuff and our sins and the barriers and the rebellion and the, the muck and the mess, all of that was placed on him. And the punishment that we deserve for everything we did wrong was put on him. And his blood was poured out to cover every sin in our lives, past, present, and future, washing them away so that we could be forever free. Isaiah 53 reminds us, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us, that Irene peace that I spoke about last time, was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Peter echoes these verses in his first letter in chapter 2, verse 24. He says, he himself bore our sins on his body so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, to live unto God. By his wounds we have been healed. Through Jesus, we have been rescued from the life of sin. We've been released from the weight of sin, redeemed from the power of sin, removed from the world of sin, and relocated into the rest of purpose and hope in the life and the service to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's a good day. We could go hugs and kisses. That's lovely. I'll see you next week. Don't you need reminded of that, what Jesus has done? Today, Jesus makes this all possible, primarily through the local church, his bride. And that is the point of the church. And that little five-step plan for anyone who's a follower of Jesus in this room, the truth is, that is your journey. That has been your story. Would you agree? Yeah. All of us can remember the moment we needed rescued and we've been journeying through those hours to the place of relocation. In fact, God, I think the last two stages, he kind of takes us back and forth. We're always growing. We're always changing. He's always nipping and tucking and sticking bits off and adding bits on, isn't he? <laughs> Sanctification. <laughs> Boo! Boo! But we want to be Christ-like. And so he 
He continually moves us those last couple of stages. But not only is that little journey, that little five-step, a little plan, your journey, it's also then our mission. That the minute you step on the journey, you you step into your purpose. Because here's the truth about you. Sooner or later, God's going to call you to be someone's rescue plan. God's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, I'm sending you to them. I've heard their cries. I'm concerned about them. I'm not going to go. Now you go. It becomes your journey. And for some of us, we're more inclined to get involved in the startups of things. Some of us love maybe a church plant. We love the new ministries that Green Pastors launch. We are the early adopters. They're the rescue people. What's the rescue plan? I want to jump in at the start. I want to go early. That's who I am. That's my gift. They're kind of the apostolic kind of people in the room. Then we have the kind of evangelists. We have the prophets, some people in there as well. You are the release and the redemption people. You are the ones that, you know, your neighbors know all about you and they know all about your Jesus. Your neighbors are the ones when they see you walk the dog, go back inside their house in case you accost them one more time about another thing GP is hosting and you need to go. The girl at Tesco's hopes for dear sake that you walk on past with your trolley because she knows if you witness to her one more time, she'll have to give in. That's our evangelists. That's the release and redemption people. They're the people who, I want to tell you about the Lord. I want to tell you about your sin and how you can take them away. That's who you are. And then we have the disciples, the, the teachers, the, the people who are the removal and relocation people. I want to talk to you about how you can live in light of the cross, how you can live in light of, you know, all that Jesus has done. I want to talk to you about how to break addiction. I want to talk to you about your marriage. I want to lead you through whatever it is. That's who they are. What I want us to see, whether it's rescue all the way through to relocation, all of us get to play a part. All of us are called. It's our journey, but it's also our mission. Amen. And that's the point of the church. But we have a huge problem. We have a very modern, up-to-date, in-the-moment problem. And here it is. Our feet are out of lockdown, but our faith is not. 